When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So they wanted a stable presence, a guy without a lot of scandal, so they hired someone who killed Steve. Yeah, the LSU way. Just going to put that out there just so uh, we don't get sued. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, well, thank you for that. I'm not sure whether I should be offended or taken as a compliment, but, but you know, <clears throat> go on. Put them both in a jousting tournament. It, none of it matters. Texas A&M going to go 8-4 this year and half those kids are going to transfer. Are you sure? We're back. Week one is done. Here and our livers made it. Barely. I'm barely. I'm proud of our internal organs for not spontaneously combusting after the stress we put them through. But hey, we're here. We're alive. Unlike Clemson's playoff chances, we will get to that later. But first, and by later I mean right fucking now. We're going to the AP poll, Kieran. We're just jumping right in this season. We said we're doing things differently. We're only going to talk about who moved. Texas A&M beat New Mexico, New Mexico 52 to 10. Didn't move in the AP poll. We don't really give a fuck. It's the Lobos. They couldn't beat UMass. But others receiving votes. Um, Iowa is receiving votes. They're out of the top 25 now. They got 73. They're the, receiving the most votes. TCU is also out after losing to Colorado. And that's really it for teams knocked out. Uh, next up, you got at 25, you have Clemson dropping 16 spots Deserted. after, oh, 100%. After Duke showed us they're not just a basketball school. Okay, what were your thoughts on it, that game? It was the sweetest taste of, of the culmination of this podcast because I now no longer have to deal with a mostly angry Kevin, just a partially angry Kevin, because he can sit back, relax, and for the last two years where he's been bashing Dabo Sweeney, he can just take a, a chill pill and, like, you know, we can focus on other topics. So it's it's a wonderful day for the Quad Tail K podcast. That's my secret, Karen. I'm always angry. <laughs> You're always angry. Uh, he's the Hulk. <laughs> but my thoughts on this game... Dabo may have built his program in the name, image, and likeness of Jesus Christ, but God was nowhere to be found in Durham for Dabo. My Lord, that was a shit show. Like, look, Duke putting up 28. They were a nine-win team last year. I'm not necessarily going to trash the Clemson defense. You got to do better against Duke, but only seven points. Yeah. My God, this is now two quarterbacks, two blue chip quarterbacks. Dabo has done absolute shit with, and I love it. Yeah, it's it's just the culmination of the fact that Trevor Lawrence was an absolute godsend for that program, and that Dabo can't recruit for shit, and and because he won't enter the transfer, he won't go to the transfer portal. Everything will be fine. Yeah, I mean, look at his last like four or five quarterbacks. You have a rapist. <laughs> You have, <laughs> you have Taj Boy who transferred. Then you have Trevor. You have Sunshine. Yeah. 
beautiful head of hair. Then you got DJ Uyunglele, who's doing pretty well at Oregon State. Couldn't do shit at Clemson. I blame coaching. And then you got Cade Klubnik, who's putting up fucking seven points on Duke. Uh, it's This is made all the better or worse, depending on what side of the fence you are, by the uh, who's the Duke quarterback. He got on... Uh, he was on Instagram or whatever asking for an extension on his homework. And uh, Duke, the Professor Taylor, I think that was the name. And the professor just coming back with, nah. <laughs> uh, Riley Leonard, too, Riley is Leonard. the one you're thinking of. It was just the uh, thing. Like, you couldn't grant an, an exception. And it just goes to show you that, like, it all actually does come back to school. <laughs> unless you're a basketball player. Yes. I actually, I think Duke might still be a basketball school, even though they're not very good at basketball anymore either. Moving on. Ole Miss beat up on Mercer 73 to 7, moved up two spots, number 20. I don't think there's much to talk about here. Cannon, do you agree? Yeah, makes sense. Uh, Oklahoma moved up two spots to 18th after beating up on Arkansas State 73 to nothing. Which is uh, just Kiernan, a yeah. scoreline. <laughs> They made Butch Jones cry. Yeah, I saw that. It that, was it's so sad. Like it's genuinely upsetting. It's like that Simpsons clip, like, stop, stop. Yes. He's had enough. Yeah. yeah. It's that's what Brent Venables is doing. He's sucking his fucking his way through the Big 12 and apparently the Sun Belt, too, I guess. Because yeah. he's dominating and, Arkansas State. And and it's and it's and we'll, I think we'll get to this in a second, but like the, some of these score lines are ridiculous this this week. I love it. Uh, North Carolina got after Spencer Rattler, sacked him nine times, 31-17, moved up four spots. And then Oregon State, uh, they moved up 17, excuse me, sorry. Uh, then Oregon State moved up two to 16 after handling business against San Jose State. And then Kansas State moved up to 15. One spot after dominating Southeast Missouri State. Uh, yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on those. No, they're all pretty much, you know, still weak. It's still early in the season. It, it You know, it's not going to – they're good wins. They're good solid wins. So, like, there's no point in, like, trying to debate them this early. Yeah, I would say North Carolina getting after Spencer Rattler and – Giving up like negative two yards on 31 rushes is a talking point. Impressive. But yeah, it's week one. Beamer ball is not back. No, <laughs> very much not. <laughs> uh, next up, one of the big losers from last week. The second biggest loser behind Clemson. LSU drops nine spots to 14 after losing 45 to 24 against FSU. That FSU receiving core is going to be a problem this year. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, it's... I'm excited for that Miami game. I feel like FSU is going to win by 90. Oh, yeah. I mean, Fl Florida got beaten by, uh, what was it, 14 or something. Uh, I get beat, we're beaten by Utah uh, by like 14 or 15 points, something like that. So it's it's going to be a it's going to be a shit show. Yeah. Uh, next up, Oregon handling business against Portland State. Didn't make anyone cry, though. They did win 81 to 7, moving up two spots. I'm kind of surprised that I know it's Portland state. I'm kind of surprised they didn't move up a little more, not into the top 10, but like maybe number 11, number mm -hmm. 12. Uh, then Utah moving up two spots after beating Florida 
24 to 11. Uh, Notre Dame moved up three spots to 10, beating Tennessee State. Uh, I still think Sam Hartman might be the answer there. Uh, Tennessee moving up three to nine after handling West Virginia 49 to 13. Washington beat up on Boise State to move up two spots, number eight. Uh, Ohio State moved down two after their struggle went against Indiana 23 to three. Florida State, after that dominating performance against LSU, moved up four spots to number four. And then Alabama, after beating up on the poor students of Middle Tennessee, moving up one to number three. Kane, any thoughts on any of those? Well, I think the um, the two biggest winners and two biggest losers of, losers of this week are all in the top 25 and Clemson just barely. So, I mean, the biggest losers were, of course, Clemson and LSU. They came in with such promise, you know, high rankings and just absolutely shit the bed. And to their counter parts is the biggest winners would be duke and uh i'd say probably i don't know like florida state Uh, yeah yeah duke and florida state like showing up in for the acc and just putting not so much putting clemson in their place but like revitalizing the the conference a little bit you know, because there's been a lot of talk of, you know, there's been a, the expansion just got approved uh, with SMU, Cal, and Stanford. It kind of, I would say, re-energized that conference, despite the actual effects not taking place uh, for a few years. I think it was all, this is all kind of the gears starting to spin up and things like that. So I think it, the Atlantic Coast is going to be a lot more uh, competitive in uh, the coming years. That's fair. Also, yes, I did not touch on teams entering the top 25, Duke, mm-hmm. Colorado, because uh, the AP website's fucking garbage and doesn't tell me that because I was going by the little green and red arrows. But Duke, Colorado, deservedly in the top 25. I'm kind of surprised Duke's not a little higher. I understand they're just getting in, but it's good enough for it. us. Yeah. Hey, they're in. They deserved it. They earned yeah. it. Also, oh, Colorado, second, yeah. Yeah. They, Col- they also earned it. Uh, yeah, segment that usually took us like half an hour last season, we did in 10 minutes. So, fantastic. Proud of us, Kiernan. Go us. Moving on to the winners and losers. Is Dabo done at Clemson? Is this, is he coaching for his job now? I don't think he's done per se. I think this is just the reality shock of not not doing more out of the transfer portal. And I think this is the kind of wake up call that he needed. I know Duke isn't necessarily like the, the transfer portal central thing, but um, I think it goes to show that all of the talent that could have been um, taken up by the transfer portal is now, at least for this season gone. Um, And I think this will sway Dabo to kind of enter it, do more with it is essentially my point. Um, And to not be like so negative about the whole thing. I'm concerned the damage might be done already though for Dabo. I mean, all his talk about how we're not going to the transfer portal. I don't want NIL because Jesus Christ or something. And I think I'm going to retire if college players get paid. Why would you want to go play for him? Yeah. 
What? Not even mentioning that a linebacker got away with starting an OnlyFans without his teammates' knowledge and filming them all. Why would you want to go play for Clemson? Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I think the da- the damage has been done in previous seasons, but we're only seeing the effects of it now, probably. Yeah, and I think it's going to continue. I think he's going to struggle to develop quarterbacks now. And somehow, some way, he's 53. He's not that old for a coach. His offensive coordinator is only 33. The game has passed Dabo by. For a team, five years ago, people were saying, oh, they're rivaling rivaling Alabama for the dominant program in the sport. He has not been able to keep up and maintain that. And look, I'm not saying he has to win a national championship every year. I'm not saying he has to go back-to-back. But it's losses like this that show the cracks in the Clemson architecture now. Absolutely. It's, it's, and it's, and it's, it's one of those things where Nick, you can look at Nick Saban and see how long he's been doing this and people come in out, they leave, he gets a new coordinator, he does this, but the central pillar, the thing that's, that strengthens the entire system, he has not changed. He might have changed his tactics. He might have changed his how he gets different players. He has built up a winning system, but the central pillar is still there in Nick Saban, and I don't think you get that with Dabo Sweeney. And he adapts. He's changed how he's gone about things. Exactly. He's gotten, if you look at his interviews, he's gotten a little softer over the years, which. I'm not saying that as a negative. I think it's a good thing. The way athletes are moving, the way college football is going in sports in general, you need a coach who's going to be more approachable. I still think he's a fucking hard ass, and if you fuck up, he's going to scream at you. But at the same time, like you can look at the national championship two years ago where they just lost. He asked Bryce Young and Will Anderson to stay at the uh, press table and just talked about how important they were for the pro. That's something Nick Saban probably wasn't doing 10, 15 years ago. But he knows the way the sport's going. He's getting guys out of the transfer portal. He knows what he's doing, and he is going to keep winning until he decides to hang them up because of that adaptability that Dabo has not shown. And moving on to other coaches who might be done, Texas State upsets Baylor. And I know Baylor wasn't super highly ranked going into the year, but Dave Aranda, you can't lose to Texas State. <laughs> it It's ridiculous. And do you think, do you think one of those two coaches is going to be the first one fired this year? Or do you have another coach you think is the first guy in the unemployment line? Um, I would have to give my uh, my pick to Matt Rule, who, based on the first week, has, is the new Brian Ferentz of the Big Ten or of college football because um, 10 points, that's it. That's what you could bring. 10 fucking points week one. Now, that's not to say Minnesota did much better, but at least they won the game. And I know, I know we can go back in last season and laugh at Iowa State and their lack of production and but they did win games. You couldn't even win the game on 10 points. And I, that's, it wasn't even a defensive thing. It was a literal lack of any offensive capabilities whatsoever. And if I was Nebraska, I'd go, 
this had better change right now because Matt Rule is not a bad coach. But I think that he has had a bunch of recent short-term gigs that make him easily fireable. That's fair. I I think it's a bit of a hot take. That's true. That that job might be open. Yeah. I, I there don't you go. There you go. That rule gets fired. with you, but I don't think that's crazy. Uh, I think the the guy who's going to get fired first, though, I think it's Mario Cristobal. Oh, didn't Miami is hurting so badly to be back, and they're not terrible. They are irrelevant, and the U cannot handle irrelevancy. They either want to be so terrible people talk about them, or they want to be winning national champions. I bet you, Cannon, when you when we started talking about this before recording, you weren't even thinking about Miami. I wasn't. At, when was the last time you thought about Miami football? Last year when they got up to like 14 or something. Yeah. It's I, I, and that's a great point. I haven't thought about them since. They don't, <laughs> I didn't they even don't do anything noteworthy. Yeah. So I think I, in my heart of hearts, think it's Mario Criswell. I don't think he is done with that program, what they want him to do. Van Dyke didn't look that great this weekend. He can't really develop quarterback super well. Yeah, you got Justin Herbert. That's about all Mario Cristobal has done. And you need a successful quarterback to win in college now. So, at least, at least the Florida Gators had the decency to lose by 13. Exactly. On a Thursday. Exactly. So, yeah, give me, give me Mario. He's gone. He's done. And I don't think he's done, but we're just going to talk about Brian Kelly. The born and raised Louisiana boy. It, for all the shit he talked about how they were going to beat FSU, how good his team was, and then to turn around and just say at the press conference, like, I guess we weren't the team I thought we were. Hilarious. That's what they get for killing a kid. But, Karen, what were your thoughts on that game? My thoughts were that they were just, they were simply outplayed. Like, there was no if ands or buts about it it was just LSU got beat by a clearly superior FSU team that I, I don't know whether they wanted it more they wanted a proof of point or or anything i just think that FSU had all of their pieces lined up perfectly for the start of the game and 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 they just had a better game plan that i don't even yeah. think it was anything to do with coaching or play calling or anything like that it was just FSU wanted it more and it was start to finish, too. It, yeah. It was it, – LSU looked competent throughout the game. It was close early, but it wasn't like last year where a field goal decided. It wasn't one or two freak plays where FSU just got a a weird pick or a fumble or something. No, it's just FSU played better. Yeah. Simple. And I, was that. I think that's part of the concern with Brian Kelly. You're going to get games like this where he could have all the talent in the world. He They are just going to get outplayed. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that's him, his inability to motivate his team properly. I don't know if that's LSU was better. We thought LSU was better than they really are so far into his tenure. But are you sounding the alarm bells if you're an LSU fan? Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely would be. And not because of any uh, – and mostly because, I should say this, 
instead of what I was previously about to say, is that you are fast tracking your program to become Auburn. Lots of hype, absolute dog shit, and you don't want to fall to that level level because you start poisoning trees and everything goes. Hey, hey, no, Auburn got their trees poisoned. Oh, sorry, sorry, my bad. I missed up. I messed up the story. But don't anyway. don't don't take away Alabama. Alabama fan Harvey Updike's greatest accomplishment in life. <laughs> my apologies. He's a true Alabama hero. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's yeah. And also, this isn't a one-off with Brian Kelly. This mm. is something that has dogged him throughout most of his career, at least at big programs, since he got to Notre Dame, not winning big games. I know he was the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Great. He, he didn't win a national championship for you, which is kind of the most important thing in the sport now. Maybe 20, 30 years ago, winning a couple bowl games would be positive. But if you're not winning a national championship now, the way current college football setup is, that's a failed season for team for a lot of teams. Yeah, and also, I don't even know if Brian Kelly won. I don't think he won any big bowl games at Notre Dame. Which comes back to the fact that you can't win. He can't win big games. Yeah, it's he's consistently I, proven that he's that he doesn't he is not capable of either play calling or selecting the right offense or whatever to 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 win things that matter they have won six bowl games under brian kelly and the most notable one was the citrus bowl which is a pretty big bowl game i'm not knocking it but They've won the Hawaii Bowl, the Sun Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl, the Music City Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, and the Camping World Bowl. That's not a good resume, especially no. when it includes losses in the BCS National Championship, the Cotton Bowl, the Rose Bowl. Like it's it's terrible. And yeah. I would be my foot, I would have one foot off the edge of the building if I were an LSU fan right now. <laughs> I would be ready for this to get worse. Yeah, seriously. I mean, something something needs to change, whether it's it's him or the coaching staff or how he approaches the game, because it's you don't want to become Auburn. You still LSU, I feel like, still has some dignity left. And, but it's, it's on a thin ice. Maybe he was too busy this off season practicing his Cajun accent. Yeah, that's what it was. hundred uh, percent. But I'm not going to knock LSU too much because slow starts were a big theme this weekend. Ohio state struggled early against Indiana. They obviously won by 20 still. So not a huge concern. Georgia came out a little slow. A lot of teams, Texas and Rice looked like a game early, and then Texas started pulling away. But a lot of these teams could not hit the ground running. I, outside of LSU, because this is a proven track record of Brian Kelly's, I wouldn't be too concerned if I were a lot of these schools. They got the win. It wasn't pretty, but they still, it's week one, guys. We need to yeah. calm down. But I would like to I would like to contrast that though with the absolute shithousery that happened in a couple of the games. So uh, just right off the bat, I'm looking at Oregon Portland State eighty one to seven, Kansas State 
Southeastern Missouri, 45, nothing. Now, granted, I know that those two schools are, you know, FBS, you know, group, you know, low tier schools, but just absolute slaughter. Right. And then you've got Oklahoma, um, whom 73, nothing ridiculous. Then you've got Old Miss slaughtering Mercer. You had Texas A&M uh, beaten up on New Mexico. Alabama beating uh, Middle Tennessee 56-7. to seven. And I'm just looking at these scores. And oh, and, and the other one that I really want to point out, uh, Washington against Boise State 56-19. to 19. Now, of those scores, there's nothing that surprising, except maybe Oregon and, and Oklahoma who scored above 70 points, which is nutty even in a even in a fast-paced college football game but it's washington and oregon both that were as you as well as usc that were all out to prove a point this weekend because all the those moves to the big 10 have been confirmed they're you know they're getting their contracts in order and things like that and all of this and now and and i would genuinely be afraid if I was a big 10 defense now going, Oh fuck. Those guys are not messing around. I get that. It's, you know, an FBS school. I get that it's week one and that you're supposed to beat up on these opponents, but I'm looking at those scores going, Holy shit. If they get two touchdowns in the first quarter, we are screwed for the rest of the game. And I know we had brought this up earlier uh, in a previous podcast about like the high flying offenses of the Pac-12 coming to the defense heavy of Big Ten. And I'm like, I am very quickly changing my attitude <laughs> towards the Pac-12. I'm actually genuinely scared for the rest of the Big Ten. I I agree with you to a point, but at the same time, I I feel like it's week one. These are a lot of FCS opponents. I'm not buying into the hype yet i think all these fans also need to calm down the other way i mean it's week one against not great opponents let's see if they can carry over i'm not too concerned about usc i'm not concerned about any of these teams they did what they had to do but let's stop hyping them up so much acting like we're about to have three pac-12 teams in the college football oh there. god no i'm not suggesting anything like that i'm just i'm i'm more you know i was so um I think I was more negative than I should have been early on. Uh, and I'm, I'm recanting that statement a little, so I don't look as stupid as, as uh, I might have, you know, 12, 18 months down the line. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but, and also we're talking about the pack 12 a lot, uh, pack 12, pack two, pack 13 and up. Yep. This is the first time since 1932 the pack has gone undefeated in week one, which is wild. That's incredible. It's it's impressive. It and I know I mentioned that they're not playing good schools. I mean, Florida, regardless of how they are, they're a D1 FBS yeah. team. Or San Jose State looked competent against USC last week, and Oregon State handled them pretty well. It's... Hats off. Tip of the cap to the Pac-12. Your conference now, is, is the, dying, but your schools aren't. Yeah, it's that last gasp of air before they die for good. Yeah. But you love to see it. Yeah. You, you love to see 
the little guy succeed a bit, and I'm happy for them. I also saw something hilarious with all these crazy wins this weekend. Do tell. Uh, Bo Nix yesterday, or Saturday, went 23 for 27 for 287 yards and three touchdowns. TJ Finley went 22 for 28 for 298 yards and four total touchdowns. And Robbie Ashford had nine carries for 51 yards and three touchdowns. Bo Nix, obviously, at Oregon. TJ Finley, Texas State's quarterback in the upset. Robbie Ashford still at Auburn. And Harsons could not win with any of them. <laughs> he might never get another coaching job. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I honestly think like, in the Auburn boosters were trying to get him fired for allegedly sleeping with his secretary. We've covered it before. I think they didn't need to do that to get rid of his buyout. I think they could have just fired him for malpractice at this point. Fair enough. Because what he did with those three quarterbacks is the equivalent of going to the doctor to get your appendix taken out and they amputate your right leg below. <laughs> like it is unbelievable how he could be that bad with that talent. But in the midst of all these, of Auburn quarterbacks going off and all these insane, insane scorelines, same old Iowa, baby. Brian Ferenczi is everyone putting up crazy numbers. He goes, nah, I'm good. 24 not, is more than enough. 24 is more than enough, unless you're Brian Ferenczi trying to keep your job because the num magic number is 25 a game. So, okay, I understand that whole 25 metric, but I'm just happy that it's more than two touchdowns. I That's all I want to say. Like, if I was if I was the Iowa AD, I'd be like, this is a step in the right direction. Cade McNamara is, and I'm going to, it's a completely irrelevant comparison, is the Sam Hartman of Iowa. He came in. He's, he's going to do a great job, and it's going to be the, the kick in the ass that Iowa needs to get on the road back to glory and proper glory. I don't mean like you're in the Big Ten West and you've already won the Big Ten West Conference and you're going to play in the uh, championship there, but, uh, you know, actual impressive numbers coming out of Iowa glory. Also, I think something to be noted while I'm shitting on Iowa, all of their touchdowns came from the offense. It wasn't like a defensive touchdown, a kick return, and then your quarterback scrambles. for No. Cade McNamara, two passing touchdowns. Caleb Johnson, a rushing touchdown. All offense scoring, which is something I feel like we could not say once about Iowa last year. No, no. And on honestly, yet yeah, yeah, we actually have to now look at the flip side of this is where's Iowa's defense? Where are the two touchdowns that I requested from their from their defense? That's that's fair. They did give up 14 points to Iowa or to Utah State. Disgusting. Fire them. All of them. But it was not two touchdowns. It was two <laughs> field goals, a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Uh so that's so that's weird. I don't like that. <laughs> it's such an odd box score. It's zero like for the first for the four quarters, it's zero three three eight. 
and your brain yeah. has a hard time trying to process all of that. Yeah, like you you look at the regular score, you look at just the score, 24 to 14, you go, okay, that's a normal score line for a college or for a football game. That's something I see a lot. And then you break it down by quarter like you just did. And you just have that dial-up noise in your head <laughs> trying to figure out how that added up to what it did. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want to pray for a man's downfall for a school I have nothing to do with, but we just talked about Brian Harson's malpractice. I, Brian Ferenc needs to have a malpractice lawsuit brought against him. It's not as bad as what Arson did. It's like you go to amputate the right leg, they cut the left one off. They still fucked up, but they're in the right area. But they right, yeah, it, they got to write on Brian Francis' forehead, not this one. <laughs> and I'm also curious if Kirk Ferentz is really going to lose his job to avoid an awkward conversation at Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, now that. Now that's a take. I kind of want to. I kind of want to see how the rest of the beginning of the season goes to make an, a prediction on that, because arguably that would not only be funnier than, uh, or more accurate than all of our, uh, you know, uh, betting picks that we had last year, but it would easily be more uh, more funny. <laughs> That's true. I kind of want to make a shirt, by the way, with Brian Frentz's face on it that just says Nepo Baby on top. Oh, God. That'd be hilarious. That would be mad funny. Uh, you want to talk about the scandal from this week, Karen, and then we'll get out of here for our first actually short episode? Yeah, let's do it. So, for those who did not see, UCF beat up on Kent State. Kent State is statistically the worst program in FBS history. They have the lowest winning percentage, no major awards coming out of there. Their most famous alumnus is famous for being a coach, a really good coach, a great coach, the greatest coach, Nick Saban and Julian Edelman. But I think Nick Saban's a little more famous. But they, so UCF beat up on him. And there's a picture of John Rice Plumley, the baseball player, on the sidelines talking to the booth and the phone with the caption, call the National Guard, referencing Shannon Sharp talking about the Patriots, somebody called the president, the army, the National Guard, because we're beating up on these Patriots. Kind of a weird choice when you're not, they're the golden flashes, they're not the Kent State Patriots. And also a very weird choice when you remember the Kent State massacre when armed National Guard troops opened fire on students protesting the Vietnam War on the Kent State campus. That tweet was promptly deleted, and I'm sure some social media intern lost their job. Kenan, do you think it's a reference to the Shannon Sharp incident, or do you think that intern has an incredible sense of humor? <laughs> okay, I wouldn't call it a sense of humor, Kevin, but I do know where no, you're coming from. it's a from. sense of humor. I wouldn't it's call it an dark. incredible one. It's not an incredible sense of humor. Well, I would say that in the heat of the moment, it was most likely a reference to Shannon Sharp. But I gotta say, you couldn't have picked a worse school to do that <laughs> reference. And here's the thing. It probably was uh, some intern, and they probably forgot that that even occurred because it was well before our time. And then the 
you know, AD or somebody high up in the administration just goes, oh, fuck and just starts as go types the weirdest email or the or yeah actually probably a phone call I, I, it was quickly uh, it was like who the you fuck got tweeted that to leave. you have got to take that down right now part of me hopes the ad has a sense of hubert is like all right now that that's down that was fucking hilarious but you gotta yeah, fire that kid yeah you're so fired but i like the way you think i I think it was a joke about that. I 100% think he was referencing. No way. It's too famous of an event. When you're learning about the Vietnam War in high school, that is one of the things they talk about when they're talking about the United, like the citizens' reaction to the war. Yeah, but like, hold on. Uh, like most kids in high school, I didn't pay attention. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Most kids in high school wouldn't have paid attention to that. I was going to say, Kieran, I knew you in high school. You were paying attention in history class. Yeah, I know. I, I really can't talk. I was in the APs, so I really can't talk. But I'd say most kids probably learned that, promptly forgot about it, and then that kid, whomever it was, tweeted it out in reference to Shannon Sharp because he knew that better and was paying attention to all the highlights and all the old stories about him and and completely forgot. I have to I have to believe that. It's way too much of coincidence. I don't think so. I, I don't I, think if they were playing UMass, I don't think they were uh, if they were playing UMass, it actually would have made more sense. That's true. To reference true. the Shannon Sharp thing then it would be against Kent State. So I 100% think it was a two-for-one. It was <laughs> referencing Shannon Sharp and the Kent State massacre. Oh, my God. That's a, that's a ridiculous way to end this podcast, Kevin. I don't know. What else do you want to talk about, Kevin? <laughs> no, no, no. It's perfect. It's exactly what we should be striving for in this. But it's like you're just leaving this massive, like, uh, I don't even know, like just gap in the, in the storyline between week one and week two. Here's a, here's a reference to a massacre. Good night. Uh, I can make it worse. You know what? Fuck it. Please do. Okay. So my birthday is this week, right? Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm turning 27. I feel old as shit. Uh, a couple years ago, my mom did not wish me a happy birthday. Oh God. Yeah. Until three days later, <laughs> for those who don't know, my birthday is on September 8th. What was three days after that? Do you want me to answer? Or it's, do you want it's 9-11 yeah. <laughs> for people struggling with the math there? What's eight plus three? But anyway, my mom posted on my wall on Facebook, didn't text me by the way, didn't message me, posted about it. Uh, happy belated birthday. Kevin, I remember 18 years ago today, I was driving you to school when the first plane hit the first tower. Hope you enjoyed your birthday. Yep. Yep. That definitely made it worse. That is. And then the following year, she said she did send me a card that didn't get to my house until 9-11. Oh, my God. Oh, this is... Each day we, we stray further from God, Kevin. Just like in Durham on Monday, <laughs> God is not here to save uh, you, Davos, sweetie. 
and full circle it is. All right, everyone have a good, fun, safe weekend. We're doing this early because I have to go to my birthday dinner tomorrow night, and then I'm flying to Colorado on Thursday. But this episode is brought to you by Yeats. Head over to yeatsofficial.com, promo code tailgate for 10% off your order. And everyone have fun. Don't reference any massacres or tragedies on social media this weekend. Especially not this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... You don't. Just, you know what? Just stay off Twitter this weekend. Yeah, that would be that's... the safest option. Good night. All right. Good night. So they wanted a stable presence, a guy without a lot of scandals, so they hired someone who killed Steve. Yeah, the LSU way. Just going to put that out there just so uh, we don't get sued. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, well, thank you for that. I'm not sure whether I should be offended or taken as a compliment, but but you know, go on, put them both in a jousting tournament. It, none of it matters. Texas A&M's could go eight and four this year, and half those kids are going to transfer. Are you sure? Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.